Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, and that technicolor rainbow in between. I won't lie to you, I'm getting a little excited. Today. Today we will be concluding our review of Without a Causes, A Seat at the Table, concluding with the main event, Invictus Cash versus Darby Allen. And after that, me. Now you're gonna get it. we will discuss the results of WWE WrestleMania Backlash with our prestigious guest, Salon Cubed. Listen, sunshine, live a little. As we discuss the joys of wrestling and many more in this weekend of May 22nd, 2021 edition of the Renegade Roundup. Turn with part two of Without a Cause is a Seat at the Table. Continuing where we left off with Ashley Dunn versus Alex Zane. Ref Aubrey with the officiating duties on this one. I'm not very familiar with either one of these, so I had to do some research. Ashley Dunn is billed as the Hope Wrestling Young Guns Champion. Hope, a fairly established promotion based in Nottingham, England, and the Young Guns Championship seemingly the equivalent of an intercontinental or a cruiserweight title. At this time, Dunn is a two-time Young Gun Champion. Having just recently won it from his opponent tonight, Dunn is definitely soaking it all in. And with this being around the hour mark of the show, Max is so full of jubilation with how this show has gone, and I completely agree. Taylor Bartle even gets a handshake from Mr. Dunn during his entrance. How nice. Same courtesy is shown to Aubrey, as you should. Alex Zane comes out of the gate hot, jumping and shuffling like he's wearing Sonic the Hedgehog shoes, just giving to the crowd before even stepping into the ring. High fives, handshakes, even a piece of gum from a fan? All that's missing are the hot dogs and the mustard. Zane centers himself before the opening bell. And this is for the title. Cowbell rings, and I think I caught a fist pump from Vanderbeek? Way to cut loose, my man. Here we go! As is tradition at this point, Zane leads the crowd in claps, shortly followed by Dunn. You can tell they know how to have fun with the crowd. Max says, clapping is the heart and soul of pro wrestling. I can't argue with that. A handshake to start the match. The Oscar Mayer mobile would make a killing at these shows. Side tangent. Anyway, the lockup commences and both are equally matched. Beekman and Max discuss the local connections between these two, and you can tell right away they know each other oh so very well. Alex with flips and dips to get the upper hand, transitioning into a headlock. A minor slip from Ashley Dunn during the rebound, but recovers quite nicely. Dunn building offense with the arm drag takedowns, Alex responds in kind, whipping Dunn into the corner. Dunn escapes it, narrowly tripping on the top rope to the outside apron, but quick as a cat, he recovers. Dunn kicks Zane in the face, holds his hand to stop, and one quick fan follows it up with, Well played, fan. Commentary plays that it looked like Dunn wanted a mulligan on that last spot, which plays dividends as he slips through the middle rope to get a running start on the rebound. Ducks a clothesline to rebound again into a hurricanrana, but Zane lands on his feet. Spot fest! Mortal Kombat poses! And the crowd gives a round of applause. Both competitors take a moment to gather themselves, shake hands again, 
and neither wants to let go of the hand. Tug of war into the rebound, meeting each other with clotheslines. Are we sure this isn't the same two people? Because it seems one guy is wrestling with a mirror. They both read from the same playbook. I don't know where that move started and where it ended. Very well put, Max. Crowd claps again. More flips, more dips. A pair of drop kicks drops Zane to the mat. Follows up with a dragon screw. Zane grabs his knee from the impact. And Dunn smells blood in the water. Continuing to follow up on that knee. Zane grabbing the bottom rope to break the hold. But Dunn continues the offense on that knee. Zane tries to start a comeback, but his knee is just too worn down. Counters with a flip, but Dunn responds with a big leg sweep and Zane really favoring that knee right now. Bit of showboating before going for the cover, Dunn gets a two. Dunn steps away, cheekily calling for claps from the crowd. Now the face heel dynamic is put on display. Dunn goes for a discus clothesline, but Zane counters with what I can only describe as a sidewalk DDT. Very innovative. The comeback begins, but you can tell Zane's speed is hampered by that nagging knee injury. Despite that, goes onto the outside apron, and an over-the-top rope head scissors tries to fall up with a running knee, but gets caught. Another dragon screw for Zane's troubles. Zane tries to block, but Dunn grabs the hair before a third dragon screw transition into a half Boston crab and Zane is in trouble. The crab rallies him on and stretches his fingertips before getting to the bottom rope, drags Zane away from the ropes and transitions into an STF through guts and determination alone. Zane reaches the ropes, forcing Dunn to break the hold. Dunn once again calling for the crowd claps as he lies in wait for Zane to get up. Zane is up on Dunn's shoulders, but counters into a sidewalk pump handle slam. Zane really trying to keep the weight off his bad leg, going for a standing shooting star press into a pin attempt. Only gets a two from Aubrey. Zane triggers the come, 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 with a rally of flying forearms. Ducks the clothesline, sets up with a power slam, getting the blood back into his leg, or rebounding off the ropes into a flying fist drop. Gets a lot of height out of that, only gets a two and a half. Both are spent at this point. Aubrey taking some extra time to check on Dunn, and the match continues. Zane on his feet, gets Dunn back up for another pump handle slam, but Dunn slips behind into a full Nelson attempt. Zane offers some grade A elbow meat instead. Dunn still has the waist lock to slow Zane down. Dunn lets go to set up another drop kick to the knees. If Alex's knees wore caps, that might be a hat trick. Zane is still down, and Dunn crowns him with a nasty running DDT. Goes for the cover. Again, only two and a half. Both combatants on opposite corners. Ashley Dunn washes his boot off of Alex's nose. Zane sits down to Feast of Defeat by Major Dune. Pinfall attempt, only a two. Dunn showing signs of frustration here. Dunn picks up Zane, but counters into a snap suplex. Max mentions the spikening, as much as Dune has been dropped on his head during the matchup. Zane still trying to keep that weight off his leg, going to set up for another shooting star press. Still, only a two. What is it going to take? Both men are spent. Zane gets up with an assist from the ropes, crowd clapping for both of these men, and Zane is prepared to go up to the high rent district. Another serving of defeat from Ashley Dunn. Dunn attempts to go for a Death Valley driver. Zane counters, pump handle slam with the cradle, going for the pin. Dunn kicks out at two and seven eighths. Zane can't believe it. Max notes that Dunn was tied up like a pretzel. Vanderbeek wants some cheesy dipping sauce to go with that. No need, bud. You're cheesy enough as it is. Hey, got him! Dunn kips up into a sidekick to Zane's face. And he felt that one. Another discus clothesline attempt thwarted. Pump handle countered into head scissors. 
Zane charges into the Death Valley Neckbreaker. Dunn gives a vicious kick to the back of the head. Closes us out with a Canadian Destroyer. One, two, three. Ashley Dunn is still your Young Guns champion. A hard-fought match by both competitors. Both shake hands. Dunn raises Alex Zane's hand. Dunn bows to the crowd. Sportsmanship lives. What a battle. This match gets all the peanuts. If I was to have a bag in front of me right now, it would be thrown around like confetti in celebration. This, this was an incredibly hard-fought competition, exhibition, whatever you want to call it. This was a perfect showcase of both of these competitors. This would have been a great showcase to advertise for the Hope Federation. And just these these two are immensely talented through and through. I mean, what more can you say? This was fun from beginning to end. It didn't feel like one spot lingered on for too long. And these are consummate professionals. You just, what more can you say? It was amazing. Your referee for this next contest is Nick Pesky. Out come the bowlers, consisting of Kingpin Johnny Flynn and Cool Dad Chris Ross, who I know as the dude and opposite of Dave Turner in The Bash Bros. Vanderbeek seems to be enamored with the Cool Dad and getting some jawjacking in. Few members of the audience even start to get a Cool Dad chant going. Chris asks Taylor for the mic. It appears they forgot to book opponents for us. So an open challenge is issued. Asks for opponents. Asks for opponents, and I quote, In the in back, 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 in the audience, outside. outside. I need to remember that line from my heel promos. Outside, outside was apparently the key word because from the audience entrance of the building comes the strays. And right away, Max is appalled that they're even here. Here comes Ellie and Icky, two of the most hobo-looking hobos qualified enough to be in a wrestling ring. With names like that, what else can you say? Looks like Ellie is panhandling members of the audience, and it works. Oh my god, derb, derb, derb. Please, please don't encourage it. Ellie giving Vanderbeek a hard time, and he does not want anything to do with it. Max commenting, he's got one shoe. And oh my god, yes. Between the two of them, sweats, a single tank top, and one shoe. Chris Ross barrels at them from the outside, and the bowlers have had enough. Right away, the strays are just balls of fire. A pair of firecrackers jumping around all over the place. You can hear little John <laughs> during a body splash onto Chris. Well-oiled machine. The strays are circulating body splashes and backdrops onto Ross at the start. The crowd is electric for them. The loudest they've been all night shoves and kicks and Ross trying anything to get out of the corner, but gets dumped off the ropes. A pinball wizard, these two are. Ross rolls out of the way and Johnny Flynn takes a crack at them. The strays both duck the double clothesline and coffin drop themselves to the mat. Flynn has no idea what to do with this. Impressed with himself, Flynn gives a flex and a strut and walks between them as they kick his legs from the supine position. Down goes Flynn. They 
they pull their best young bucks and super kick on either side of him. The strays get amped up by the crowd. Flynn rolls out of the ring to join with Ross. The strays rally the crowd as Icky dives through the middle ropes to a waiting cool dad that I wish I had. Flynn seemingly a casualty in the background to that spill. Icky seems very pleased with himself. Not to be outdone, Ellie jumps over the top ropes like a parkour athlete and spills on top of the dude. At this point, Ellie's pants are torn at the right knee, so super committed to the gimmick. Hopefully, we don't get a wardrobe malfunction from this later on. Chris meets Ellie with a beautiful Sidewinder sit-down power slam. The teams are separated and the match can finally commence as intended as Ross reaches for the tag. Flynn gives a boot and leg drops Ellie in the back of the head for good measure. Goes for the cover, only gets a one. Flynn dishes out boots to the head. Boots to the ribs. You would think he's a cobbler with as many boots he's been dishing out. Tags Chris in to keep Ellie down. Ross with a nasty headbutt to the sternum. Icky trying to get the crowd behind his partner, who starts to mount an offense. But Ross proves to be too much. Ross sets up for a graceful running power slam, treating Ellie like a plank of wood. Tag made. Icky tries to interfere, but the ref stops the illegal man, and Flynn takes full advantage of it. Ellie eats some turnbuckle padding for good measure. Four out of five dentists say it does wonders for your molars. At this point, Flynn is toying with Ellie, toying with his prey like a proud house cat before killing the mouse. That hubris might come back to bite him. Ellie gets out of the way and returns the favor, tenderizing Flynn's chest. Ellie rebounds with a European uppercut. Both men are down. Cool Dad runs to the outside and trips Icky off the apron. Ref calls him back to the corner, Flynn dragging Ellie's foot before reaching for the tag. The next spot isn't quite clear because of the angle, but it looks like Ross is going for a Styles Clash of some sort, and Ellie counters into a Canadian Destroyer? So a Half Destroyer? I'm not entirely sure. Both men are down and Pesky starts to count. Both men get the hot tag, and here we go. Iggy wastes no time wailing on Flynn. Come back, mechanic! Chris tries to interfere, but the double team fails. Icky is feeling it. He's going up to the crow's nest. Flynn tries to thwart Icky. Icky leapfrogs over the offense. Flynn connects with a sit-down powerbomb. Pinfall attempt. Ellie breaks it up at two. Chris interferes, puts the powerbomb on Ellie followed by a cradle package powerbomb. Carnage everywhere. The bodies have hit the floor. Everyone is spent as Ref Nick tries to get order back in this match. Everyone participates in the chop go round. The strays chop cool dad in stereo, followed by their best Shawn Michaels on Johnny Flynn. Chris on the receiving end of a senton flip netbreaker double team move. Very cool. That takes Chris Ross out of the equation. Flynn attempts a roll-up, only gets a two. Ellie with a running kick on Flynn calls for Icky to go to the top. Senton drop connects. Not to be outdone, Ellie goes up top with a frog splash. Connects. The strays both pin. One, two, three. They celebrate in the ring. The crowd chants, strays have rabies, in approval. They accept donations after the match with Taylor Bartle and leaves a generous tip. I'm going to give this one a half a bag of peanuts. It was very high energy, very impactful, at times very exhausting to keep up with everything. Icky and Ellie surprised me with how much they could deliver and how over they were with the crowd, considering we also had Priscilla Kelly and Thunder Rosa, and it was just as over as that, but yeah, fantastic showing. Chris Ross was a really good team player in helping them uh, get over and yeah what 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 can i say it was a really fun entertaining match
and uh, good on everybody involved. Your main event for the evening, Darby Allen versus King Cash. Full disclaimer, when I was originally writing the script for this show, I came across the main event first, and I had settled with bullet points instead of an essay format for breaking down this match. I do apologize if the presentation is not presented as succinctly as the other matches on this card has. I am just going to read off the notes as I have written them. Again, this is all a work in progress, so I do appreciate your patience with me. Technical issues with the audio. It's not easy to run your own show. You can already tell right away Darby Allen is something special. Also, Ref Aubrey is handling this main event. The crowd is super into Darby. The future AEW staples, a humble origin story. King Cash gets better all the time, as I remember him from my first show back in 2017. Crowd chants, Darby's Darby's gonna gonna kill you. Crowd is 100% against Cash. Darby quick as a cat at the opening bell, showing his scrapper mentality. Cash showing off his technical skills. Freakishly strong, but Darby is not deterred. Watching their work is like watching a crocodile and alligator spar. Darby must have spring-loaded Nikes as he's jumping off the top rope. Darby takes a nasty spill from the corner post, spinning like a top. Cash with a sweet swing from the ropes into a backbreaker. You can tell this is the humble origins of the underdog story Darby is known for. Cash with a smooth suplex to the outside wood floor. That couldn't feel very good. Cash ramming Darby onto the outside post before throwing him back in for more punishment. Rolling surfboard stretch to Darby. Ouch. Darby recovers, flipping over the top rope from supine position. Darby attempts a top rope maneuver, but eats a sidewalk backbreaker. Cocky pin with Cash's knee in Darby's face, but only gets a one. Both are spent as Cash attempts a powerbomb. Darby gets out of harm's way. Darby rolls into a schoolboy from the ropes, only gets a two. Immediately rebounds off the ropes for a corkscrew elbow drop, again for only a two. Transitions into an armbar. Cash gets out quickly. Cash's offenses are thwarted. Darby sets Cash up in the corner with a dropkick, mounting a Tasmanian devil-like offense with elbows. Going behind Cash to set up for what I can only describe as a flip stunner. Only gets a two count. Both competitors are completely spent ten minutes into this fast-paced match. Crowd is really rooting for Darby at this point. Both are up by Aubrey's seven count. Darby challenging Cash to a slap off. Chests and face slapped all around. Cash walks into another armbar. Darby punches Cash's hand while sitting on his arm and headbutts. Yikes! Bending the wrist as well as cinching in that armbar. Cash reaches for the ropes. Darby goes in for more slaps. Darby's face meets Cash's knee. Darby goes down. Cash trying to lock in the full Nelson, but Darby catches his fingers. More flips, more dips. Canadian Destroyer! Darby only gets a two. Cash rolls out of the ring to catch his breath. Darby goes for a trust fall from the corner post to the outside. Early stages of his signature coffin drop made famous on AEW today. Both of them eat it near the entrance steps. 
That could have been scary. Both come back in. Another attempt at the coffin drop from the middle ropes. Ends up getting caught by Cash into a Cobra clutch. Just a few fingertips away from the ropes. Looks like Darby passed out onto the ropes. Cash slaps the back of his head for good measure. Cash gives the old spit shine to Darby, who takes exception to that. The slap wars continue. Darby tries a feat of strength on Cash, but is far too exhausted to commit. Cash attempts a sidewalk slam. Darby counters into a body scissor. Pin attempt only gets a two. Keeps Cash down for yet another armbar attempt. Cinches it in deep. Cash is screaming to fight out of it. Commentary mentions, Cash's fingers are almost at his wrist. Cash wisely gets his feet to the ropes to break the hold. Vanderbeek mentions the hooks on his toes give an advantage for the ropes. Very clever. I would have gone more the Abdullah the Butcher route, but well played. Darby attempts to charge the corner. Cash sidesteps, and Darby almost collides with Aubrey. Aubrey staggers momentarily, and... Blow, blow. Cash takes Darby to Low Blowberg to set up for the sidewalk slam. Rebounds Darby off the ropes for a pop-up European uppercut. Darby almost touches the ceiling, according to commentary, and barely kicks out at two and seven-eighths. Darby's still flat on the ground. Cash has had enough. Cash sets up at the corner post. Darby counters with what looks like a Styles Clash attempt from the top rope. Darby rolls through it into a sharpshooter, into a pin attempt for the win. Darby wins! Very unique finish. What a way to close out the show. I'm going to give this one all the peanuts! All of them! It was a wonderful way to close out the show. You have two of the best and brightest young talent in the Pacific Northwest at that time just duking it out. Colossal fight. Your traditional David versus Goliath where it looked like it could really go either way. Such unique innovative offense. Both Darby and Cash would just exponentially improve from here and wow you can just tell the, the humble beginnings of not only both competitors but with Aubrey as well just being able to, to fully sell and tell a great story. What a wonderful way to close out Without a Cause's first show. If I were to give a final grade for the entirety of this show, knowing that this was Max's very first show, it was originally meant to be a one-off, not knowing that this would become the Without a Cause that we know today. For a first and what was initially billed to be an only show, this is a solid B+. Given that you had a wider range of talent from a wider range of promotions, you had that local flavor, you have people in the audience, some people that have never been to a wrestling show before that were having a fun time, you had some once-in-a-lifetime experiences with regulars that go to these shows, for what I imagine would be the obstacles to make a show like this, especially for it being your first time, everything turned out as good as you could hope for. And as we have seen, Without a Cause would improve from there. You have some matches that maybe lingered on a little more than others, but again, for 2018 and knowing where a lot of these talents are now, I had a blast watching it and it looked like a lot of the people that were there in attendance, they had a wonderful time being a part of it. Humble Origins for the beginning of Without a Cause, having a seat at the table, Solid B show. Good on you, Max. And that was my review for A Seat at the Table. If you would like to make recommendations for what I review next, 
uh, go ahead and hit me up on Twitter, at SoulWrestles, because this has been a learning experience on how the process of making this goes in your Wrestling With Regret format. I'm going to give myself a little bit more time to uh, enhance my presentation, so we may back this up to every two weeks. I'm hoping up to back up the show every two weeks, but we're going to see how it goes. One hurdle at a time. As a update, as I am concluding recording this on Saturday, I have been presented with a new job opportunity, so that may in fact delay weekly releases of the Renegade Roundup. I'll keep you informed on social media, on Twitter, on Instagram, and keep you up to date on everything involving the Renegade Roundup project and what to expect in the future. Now we'll go into the next part of the show. And now for something completely different. <laughs> well, threaten me with a good time. Welcome back to the Renegade Roundup, and uh, we have a special treat for all of you listeners out here. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that in the foreseeable future we will have uh, regular guests on our show, and this will be uh, the first of what I hope many. So, uh, mystery guest at the table, who are you and what do you do? Hey, hey, my name's Solon. Uh, no relation, Sol. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you are- I'm you Solon. Are, you are, you are, the, <laughs> you are the more handsome brother of the two of us. No, no, you flatter you've me. You've got the bet. you've got the better hair, come on now. Yeah, but your eyes pop- sorry, we could compliment each other all day. <laughs> we could, That's not what we're we here could. for. I mean, uh, we, we Although, are Although, if there was a form of wrestling that was about out-flattering one another, I think I would also subscribe to that. Uh, hi, my name's Solon. I uh, do live streams and uh, podcasts, video game discussions. I've got a review coming out of Resident Evil Village. Uh, it should be out tomorrow, actually, after this airs. Uh, we so are recording want... this on a Tuesday, so this will be out by the time that this goes live, I believe. Yeah. If you want Perfect. 36 minutes of Resident Evil Village discourse, uh, I've got a full video set up for you. It's going to be beautiful on Video Game Choo Choo which is the uh, games website that I do video editing for. Oh, very so, cool. On top of everything else, uh, I am a huge wrestling fan. I've just finished watching. I, I'm all caught up now on my AEW for the week. And, there you go. Uh, been just rolling through, just through the entire pandemic. That's been just a, a huge lifesaver for me. It has kind and of then, been a necessity, yes. And then recently ever since wrestlemania and wwe i've been using uh, the dub for uh, connecting with my dad and so i've gotten hey. to watch that as well uh pay-per-view by pay-per-view and he'll text me from time to time wait let, let me see uh let me get daddy solon on the uh the <laughs> just the most recent text that he sent me mm -hmm. because i think that wrestling is about connecting with generations and so it's important that when we connect with our generations, the generations before us, that we'd all talk about the the fights that we've seen. Uh, so my dad last texted me, uh, <laughs> I am enjoying, and he puts in all caps, RK BRO! Yes! And that's the, that, is the, that is the full text, just four words, which uh, 
is just, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I just ask him back, hey, does Randy ever take his shoes off and wrestle barefoot? <laughs> That's super cool. And he just responds, no, he just watches how uncomfortable he gets. It's so entertaining. <laughs> I will say that I did catch up um, because I um, I catch up on the episodes on Hulu. So I watch it, the, the, the abridged version, uh, the day after. And you uh, yeah, absolutely. You, you kind of have to survival. in order to keep up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I will and I will say that seeing seeing the, the the visceral reaction that Randy gives on just having to put up with everything brings me life. Oh, that's it's, so good. It's I've just I've watched Randy Orton for so long, and a lot of. A lot of the reasons I don't really keep up with WWE as often is just because I I have seen a lot of these guys a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And, like, the last time I saw Randy Orton in person was in the Key Arena in Seattle, and uh, he was wrestling John Cena for, like, the 7,000th time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, no, this is perfect. I love this. This is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly what I asked for. So I mean, we, hearing... we are all creatures of habit. Anytime I could get Randy Orton as a like performer who is uh, acting with someone complete of a completely different generation of them, yes, uh, it's just fun. It's fun, and it, it gives him something that it it feels like he's you know searching new boundaries, which is mm -hmm. hard for someone who's been doing this for so long. Yes, um, uh, it's it's interesting you're bringing up like the the whole like. Um old talents with new with uh, with new generation of people because mm -hmm. kevin owens just tweeted out that that uh today when we're recording this on may 18th is the sixth anniversary on when kevin owens came to raw and shut john cena up and he and he rt'd yeah. that video saying happy sixth anniversary john i if if john can hear it from inside bray wyatt's uh weird liminal space dimension uh, then I know that I know he's out there. He follows literally everyone on Twitter. Mr. Cena does, so he but probably heard we it. Still, we we still can't see him though. No, no. Mm -hmm. I I love. We can't hear um, him anymore either, thanks to Kevin. No, so. apparently apparently we can't. No. Um, my favorite thing is um, something that I've been uh, listening to practically nonstop since I heard it is uh, Triple Q has a compilation album called Cena Core No Chance in Hell, and. Uh, one of them what oh mm -hmm. my god okay sure and yeah, so yeah. and so and totally so one of, one of the clips i guess this was a like fake commercial or something for saturday night live uh where it was i never thought that the wave the waving motion of my hand would literally cause people to not see me but now they can't see me because it, it, i guess for this particular commercial he went like invisible and now he has a condition where nobody can see him. And that was pieced together to some somber anime music. Like like piano. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, that it's, is that's some peak John Cena too. Yeah, it's it's uh, the, I'd say that the memification of John Cena was the moment that the fans were able to embrace him. But that's also the moment that he took himself seriously. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I don't have any, like, merchandise or pictures in my home of uh, Sir Mr. John Cena. But we do have on the fridge a advertisement for garbage bags. 
that John Cena helped do, the hefty bags. Okay, sure, sure. And I just keep that on my fridge, and I, I get to look at John <laughs> Cena every day. That was fantastic. Selling me some hefty bags, and I'm just so happy. Every every time I see him, I'm just like, ah, oh, there's John. How are you doing there, today, John? There there seems to be a missed opportunity with having him be the brawny man. No, that's Mr. That's Strowman, right? Well, okay, brawny, brawny, brawny and Strowman. I'm talking like a, I'm talking officially on True. the the brawn paper towel rolls, dressing John Cena up as a lumberjack. Oh, if I could get him, him in plaid, yeah. <laughs> oh. With the crew cut? Is he still uh, growing his hair out super long? Cause... I mean, he, take a look at his trailer from Fast and Furious 9. Ooh. Yeah, he's 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 going to be in that one, and he, he has regular hair. I think that is a stem from... Uh, he has regular like, hair. He has regular hair, and I think this is a stem from when he did that Jackie Chan movie that I think hasn't been released yet. True. Because yeah. that was the last thing I saw. That and uh, Wipeout that he's also hosting. Sorry, this is now John Cena Watch. That's this the, is now the John Cena Watch. <laughs> I mean, if there was Soul, ever... You told, me, you told me, hey, no format, we'll just go with Breeze. And I'm like, all right, yeah. well, we're going to talk about John Cena for the next we're, hour. We're going to talk I about John Cena. Up. <laughs> that's that's all right. I mean, if there is anybody that will derail the podcast, it will. Def John Cena is definitely a good candidate for that. C-Nation. The, the C-Nation. For life. Uh, dude, I'm. I am. I was very. I was a very loyal chain gang soldier from way back when. <laughs> I, I still have a wristband from the chain. No, no, no. This is this is this is after after Dr. that. Fucking, yep. Yeah, you had you had the chain gang soldier where he was going where like his merch had like the the bulldog and was all military themed, and the chain gang logo was a knockoff of. Some other clothing line, I think. Big dogs. No, uh, I I know when I looked it up a long time ago. It's because it's just a big C, and then the inner part is a G, but the but the inner circles look like a um a crosshair, and that's like some kind of like it's either like Gucci or some other clothing line. I'm not I'm not into what the kids were wearing in two thousand five. Or in 2021. You got it. Yeah, yeah. It's just all Gucci. Everyone it's, it's, just it's a, Gucci. Everything's all Gucci. Yep. Yeah. It's so, just uh, D&G yeah. and it's just, you know, the mm -hmm. usuals, a little Louis Vuitton and that. It's the same thing that we wore it's, as it's, kids. It's the you same know? things. Yeah. It's same like, you know, and, and uh, curse your small feet because I can never fit into Nikes. What? Because they there's only... A, there's a limit on Nike sizes? Like I mean, it's it? it's it's regular sizes in general. They don't they don't go above a twelve. I'm a thirteen wide. That sounds that sounds small. Like twelve is a. Mm -hmm. That's a. It is. Why do you think it's hard for me to get shoes? What? Yeah. No, I see that. Being, being it doesn't a, go up to being, 13. 13 sounds like a normal number. But it's also sounds like a normal number of shoe but, size. But also, if you try to put me in a fourteen, you're gonna have to cut off like half my foot because it is in length, not in width. Yep. And I tried getting a pair of 14s once because they were from a custom guy that had Shenron shoes. And I wanted to put Shenron on my shoes. But the 14s, I cannot fit a 14 on my 13 wide foot. And I was really sad. Aww. And when I I asked, uh, I left 91 does uh, Dragon Ball themed shoes. And when I asked him, like, do you do wides? 
And he said, no, just order it up one size bigger. And I'm like, that's not how feet works. Oh, that's not... It goes up in every direction. When you go up a size in something, it goes in... It works with shirts. Why wouldn't it work with shoes? In any case... That's the update uh, on Souls. Souls? <laughs> this is this is the Soul Cast brought to you by Soul and Solon. That's oh, us. But but by the way, to to answer your question, if it was a complimentary competition, would it be a pop off? <laughs> yeah, I'm a sucker for popping off. So mm -hmm, you've got mm -hmm. me good. You've got me completely outmatched. <laughs> oh, if I if I know anything, it's how to get a pop. Speaking of pops, we're going to talk about WrestleMania Backlash because that was the most recent, latest, and greatest thing that happened with uh, with the world of everything being WrestleMania. Um, so, the my favorite running joke is uh, Brian Zane said that this. So this was the actual title of this pay per view wasn't WWE Backlash. It was WWE WrestleMania Backlash. So WrestleMania was part of the tagline of the pay-per-view. And I love the joke that everything is going to be a WrestleMania. It's going to be WrestleMania SummerSlam, WrestleMania Hell in a Cell. That is what actually happened because we see that Hell in a Cell is going to be taking place in five, six weeks, something like that. But they should have really kept that momentum going and just named, you know, it's it's WrestleMania all well, they could have. They could have looped it all the way around, you know, and mm -hmm. ended up with WrestleMania, WrestleMania. The WrestleMania, WrestleMania show for WrestleMania. WrestleMania, WrestleMania, and then you would then start the, 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 the year of Backlash. So then you have Backlash, Backlash, and then you have Backlash, Hell in a Cell, and then Backlash, SummerSlam. Oh, like it's Chinese New Year. Yes! <laughs> like, ah, this is the year of the Elimination Chamber. It's, it's, it's like this is the year of Judgment Day, because we haven't seen a Judgment Day in ever. And I want that Judgment Day. So back. cursed. <laughs> Dude, cursed imagine, entire year to Judgment Day. Dude, if they and then they and then they decide to play cute and go w, uh, WCW spinoffs. It's the year of World War Three. Halloween Havoc all year long. Year. <laughs> How badass would that be? We're bringing back Cyber Tuesday. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, Ta Taboo Tuesday, Taboo Tuesday, and, and Cyber Sunday. That's the one. That's the one. Yes. So starting off on the card, um, I am quoting this off of Bleach Report, which they have it in a very weird order because I know that it starts off with um, with the Raw Women's Championship uh, triple threat. It was Rhea Ripley. Defending it against both Asuka and Charlotte Flair. What are your thoughts on Rhea Ripley? Oh, Rhea Ripley's been uh, just rising so quickly in all the ways that I would... I always love seeing WWE pushing their talent. Um, and uh, so that's been awesome. It's just something where it's like, hey, you executed on a plan that made sense from the get-go. And mm -hmm. now we're seeing it all pay off. You're seeing it on the exact other side of the women's division, too, with Bianca Belair. And so yes. seeing them in tandem also helps uh, just they're, they're building up for a new generation in a way that just feels extremely validating. Yes, uh, absolutely. Healthy women's division, healthy, healthy uh, competition all the way up, down, up and down the card. It's just, it's nice. It's so it's, good. It's, it's really good. It's really good. Um, you know, but between these, uh, between these three competitors, um, I, I, 
spoiler for my predictions I had where uh, all of the titles would have been retained uh, with the exception of uh, so I had this weird prediction where uh, it was because when I did my predictions on Tuesday I was thinking there was going to be one more match on the card which would have been the Smackdown Women's Tag Team Championship or, or sorry they're not Smackdown it's just Women's Tag Team Champions because at that time it was Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax that had it. I was like, they're going to defend at the pay-per-view. They did not defend at the pay-per-view. They defended it on the SmackDown before the pay-per-view. And that's where Natalia and Tamina won it from Nia and Shayna. Why wasn't it on the pay-per-view? It I... seems like a, an odd choice to have it be relegated to the the go home smackdown instead yeah it might be but if you contextualize backlash as a show where you're, you're seeing a bunch of the matches that are like really fresh off of wrestlemania matches that's backlash it's always a response to wrestlemania sure uh i think a good way to hype that up when people are going into this expecting a bunch of titles to be retained is, sure. hey, the show right before it, we changed some titles there, so you can expect that changing title energy on the pay-per-view okay. itself. Okay, have it be a selling point to sell the pay-per-view, then. Now, for that to be relegated to the women's tag belts, which already don't... The, the movement on those is a little kind of hazy uh, at the best of times. It's, it is what it is. Uh, but, I mean, the idea makes sense. Sure. I, I can't say I'm I'm the biggest fan of um of of the angles that have been around the tag team division, especially sure. with uh what I saw at WrestleMania. It was it was fine. It worked. It just, you know, on a on a day full of incredible matches, it was just like, yeah, that happened too. That that was that was the one that was the most forgettable, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. One of those things where it's like, oh, I love all these wrestlers solo. Oh, you've you've done the WWE thing where you put them in tag teams yep. because and, and it has hurt together. my soul. It has hurt my soul so much that Shayna Baszler has been so incorporated with this when th when this time last year during uh elimination it was the elimination chamber of 2020 which was the last live attended pay-per-view. She cleaned house. She and took them all out. She eliminated everybody. And then, a, a, what, a couple of months after that, they're just like, we're going to give, we're going to give you the tag straps with Nia Jax. As like a reward for surviving As the a, entire elimination chamber. Air quote rewards. Yes. Yeah. Good thing that we can say that uh, Rhea Ripley retained the belt, and they did not... Because uh, my, my biggest fear... I mean, like, I love Asuka. I love Rhea. Um, I'm not a fan of uh, the internet's infatuation with Rhea in that step-on-me culture, but that's another story for another time. Um, hey, you can just be a wrestling fan like normal. It's totally allowed and <laughs> completely fine. I mean, yes, I know, I know it's my show, and it's like... People expect no, no, not you. I'm, I'm speaking. I'm speaking past the the internet culture. Got uh, it. Got hey, it. the Rhea Ripley is a character on a television show. She's also like people, and you can just you know be normal about yes. people. That's that is that's the <laughs> totally message that I wanted to get across. <laughs> See, I was 
I was thinking at first you were going the whole ton in cheek and be like, oh, totally, she could step on me. No, that's <laughs> where we're trying. We're trying to nip that in the bud because that's weird. And also, like, if you look at um, side note, real quick before we go into the rest of the card, one of the things that is like the biggest reward, but also the biggest travesty, is everything outside of the WWE product is far more interesting than the actual WWE product. Take a look at any of the Chronicles or the Day Of documentaries, and you see a side of Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair that deserves more attention. Like, my favorite thing mm -hmm. is during the, um, during the uh, Chronicle of Bianca Belair, she admitted that, uh, that she was not only a, uh, a stellar high school athlete, but she was also fighting bulimia during that time. And so, like... That's heavy. That, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's so, a lot like, to deal with during high school. I'd, yeah. Like, I'd especially... all the athlete stuff. That's hype. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, you can do a whole lot for, like, you know, advocate, advocating for mental health, but you're going to pull a, you know, we're going to align with Susan G. Coleman and autism speaks hmm yeah yep when when they can really do a whole lot of good but uh yeah Rhea Ripley retain which we are very happy about uh since we since we've been talking about Bianca Belair we'll just jump to that real quick Bianca Belair uh defending the Smackdown Women's Championship against Bailey. um both of them are an absolute stud. Um, I love Bailey's heel work uh, in this. I think going the whole, uh, it's it's almost like a borderline younger Vicky Guerrero in that like not quite mom sort of demeanor, but like she catch it's like she catches your attention in those annoying ways, but not turn off your TV annoying like Vicky Guerrero was, but just close enough. Just running right up to that edge. Mm -hmm. You see that a lot. And uh, part of the fun things that you get in WWE is that uh, you can see people's personalities a lot more when they are a heel. Mm -hmm. Given a little bit more of a, like, you know, room to run and work with. Than because, when as they, stupid, because as stupid be, as like, Ding... In the yeah. box of the babyface kind of situation because as stupid as ding dong hello is they are taking that one catchphrase and getting every single mile out of it that they possibly can including a stage and a prop door and a campy sitcom set yep it's it's fun it's fun it's when it when it when wrestlers are having fun the audience also has fun I can't hate on Bailey because you can tell she enjoys her work. Yep. That being said, I I am glad that Bianca Belair retained because the phenomenal showing she did at WrestleMania, first of all, um, that match with Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. Woo! Um, Unbelievable. The, the, the stitching on the side that needed to be done from what basically was a cow whip at the end of the match. Yep. It's 
terrifying. It, it is very terrifying, but on top of that, powerhouse through and through, like, Bianca Belair, as your strong woman, is mighty impressive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially considering um, one of the things I was binging recently was um, I was re-going over uh, SummerSlam 2000. And that was where uh, China won the Intercontinental Championship from Val Venus. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, how built and how just jacked China was. And Bianca having like that caliber packaging and then some is the right move. Is absolutely the right move for a rightful powerhouse like Bianca Belair, and I think she's going to have a very long, very prestigious future with that title. Oh, yeah, and she's got so much room to work with. Uh, with the folks that she's working with on that side of things are all people who have also fought Charlotte Flair a lot. Yes. And so yeah. there's a lot of, like... Uh, when you talk about Sasha Banks, mm -hmm. you're, there's always this, like, oh, there's this Charlotte is always right there, right on... Yeah any conversation around uh, uh, Sasha Banks. So now that doesn't have to be the case because there's multiple women coming from multiple different eras that have varied sizes yep. that can do the same kinds of work, but do it in their own way and give their own like space on it. The reason that Charlotte shows up all the time is because she's, you know, very tall. <laughs> it's as and, simple as that. And, and, and Sasha the, Banks works extremely well with people who are bigger than her. Yeah, it's uh, like it, like any of the um, the the Sasha Banks square ups kind of reminds me of that classic picture with um, Frieza looking up at Goku. Exactly. Stare down. Yeah, it's it's that sort of it's that sort of you know uh, you're not going to get the the better of me even though I'm looking up at you. It's that, it's that fighting Irishman mentality that I really um, appreciate from from those kind of squaring up like that. Um, there was this we... very beautiful, like a picturesque moment on the uh, main event of AEW Dynamite last Wednesday mm -hmm. where Miro was fighting for the uh, AEW TNT title belt against Darby Allen, And Darby Allen enters the ring from the hard cam side into the shadow of a looming, uh, a looming Miro. Mm -hmm. And the referee like rolls into the ring at the same time. And it looks exactly like punch out for the NES. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Cause Darby is so small mm -hmm. and Miro is so big and such a presence. And they're staring each other down with Darby Allen's back to the hard camera. And it's just this amazing moment that puts like everything into perspective in one moment. And so, so good. Uh, so good. I love anytime that. you get, you know, folks with different body sizes and body types working together, mm -hmm. you can make so many magical moments happen. Yeah. And the more you have that and Bianca Belair is, is just living off of that because mm -hmm. she has so many people that she can uh, get into the ring with who are at a, such a high level. It's, it's just a buffet for her. So it it's is going to be so awesome. And, and Rhea side, Ripley gets that too, in a way. Yeah, Rhea Ripley. Yeah, well, especially like you know, yeah, she gets she gets the Goku side of that because she gets that dominating, mm -hmm. alluring uh, vision to it. By the way, side note, real quick, internets like to say that intergender 
wrestling isn't realistic. Meanwhile, my favorite visual ever is the stare down between Brian Cage and Jordan Grace. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Jordan Grace rules. Jordan Grace is <laughs> hands down my favorite woman's wrestler, period. End of story. Which, absolutely cool person. Absolutely. Like, I, I would love to have her uh, come out to Seattle. Um, needless to say, uh, Bianca Belair uh, successfully defended and retained the title in a hell of a matchup. There was uh, uh, one of the one of the moves that closed it out was um, it was that body press slam where basically she uh, Bianca deadlifts uh, Bailey and then throws her torso first to the ground and then oh, I, yeah. I think it's a, yeah like she power slammed the crap out of Bailey and it was Ooh. so good and it was so rewarding. Uh, next up, we're did gonna. She end, and, sorry, I'm sorry to run it right back. Uh, did she end with the uh, the the hair whip again? No, uh, less hair whip, more of just throwing Bailey around like a sack of potatoes. That's that's good. Yes, yes, that's what I want to see. Bianca Belair is that's amazing. A, that's for special occasions. Yes, it very much is a special occasion kind of move, especially when like the lead up going to the match. Um, Bailey was trying to pull on her big earrings oh which, uh -huh. yeah so they're so like trying to say like yeah your inexperience is going to cost you the title when bianca's just like nah fam ain't gonna go down that way <laughs> nope nope i nope. can i can be powerful and full of swagger yes you will not stop me absolutely all right next up the smackdown tag team champions this one was uh Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode call themselves the Dirty Dogs. Uh, and they were defending against Rey Mysterio and son Dominic Mysterio. So, early on, so I'm going to recap real quick since you didn't see the show. Uh, the pre-show showed that uh, Ziggler and Roode basically bullied the crap out of Dominic and caused an injury where his ribs were hurting and the doctor said he was not clear to compete. So going into the match, it became a one-on-two because underdog story. And this particular match, uh, I will say that it was one of my least favorites, but for a different reason than my least favorite match on the show, which we will get to <laughs> shortly. Um, because I, I've what, heard some things. Yep. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Don't mm -hmm. don't get ahead of me here. Um, Dominic effectively pulls a Roman Reigns, where he comes out against doctor's orders, but still favoring his wrist, uh, his ribs, for like the last three minutes of the match when it was practically one-sided, uh, beating up Rey Mysterio. Dominic calls for the tag, gets it. And uh, Dominic and Rey Mysterio are your new tag team champions. Now, hold on. You've explained this to me, but I don't see how you've gotten from step A to step D. D being the death of the dirty dogs. Right. Uh, um, I, I want to say, I wanna say it was... You're saying there's a three-minute hot tag, and now both Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler could not... You know, the it was, tag it team was, champions couldn't uh, come against Dominic Mysterio? Dominic Mysterio, who they beat up earlier, 
before the before the pay per view started. Huh. Yeah. Um. And and it was and it was uh it was a weird like double team sort of thing. They were doing they were doing the title change for that feel good story of having it be the first father and son tag team in WWE history. Yep. That's what they were going for. That's your one moment. Um, that is, uh, spoilers for those who didn't watch the show, that is your one title change. <laughs> hey, well, that's, you know, one more than we expected for Backlash. Yeah, I was, I was expecting a full sweep. Um, I was mm -hmm. expecting a full sweep of all the belts being retained and having this be a, a filler show for later on down the road. I was expecting uh, Ziggler and Rude to hold on to the titles for a while, but especially when I think they said that they held on to it for 180 plus days. So that means that the SmackDown right. tag team titles have been that stagnant where they were your... They held the title for six months. Do with that what you will. <laughs> but Dominic yeah. and Rey Mysterio are your new tag team champions. You're some new SmackDown tag team champions. Um, I feel, since they announced that Hell in a Cell is going to be the next pay-per-view in five weeks, um, I feel like the championship reign is going to be short-lived between the Mysterios. I think there's going to be enough uh, enough outside interference and or enough dissension among the ranks because I don't know if they're dropping the whole Seth and other Rey Mysterio family members angles that they had going on last year. Um, but I mean, I could be wrong. I could be pleasantly wrong that maybe, maybe it'll be like a bigger team that'll transition into that but really other it's than it's hard to keep faith though when you mm -hmm. saw you got to see dominic mysterio wrestle for only a couple of minutes yeah it's they're, they're doing the it, it makes you ask the question how how is he going to defend the belt that and also it it is that um that ray mysterio or i'm sorry it is that roman reigns at the royal rumble levels of protection mm -hmm. which like if it was if it was on his own merits and he was able to grit it out, that'd be one thing. But they're placating Dominic Mysterio's first title through a kayfabe injury storyline. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily sure how that's going to go there. But we will find out maybe in five weeks. Uh, should I get to should I get to that match or should we talk about uh, Sheamus and Ricochet? I want to hear about the best match on the card. I want you to tell me about how my boy The Miz is doing. Ah! He's he's healthy as hail and hearty. He's just um, having a real good time. <laughs> uh, last I saw, um, no one knows where he is, and he may or may not be dead. <laughs> okay, so. There is going to have to be a little bit of a build-up because I believe there was one match before this match right here. Because I want to... Honestly, at this part of the pay-per-view, it was kind of a haze in the order. So I'm going to... I'm going to pretend here for a second just to put it off as long as I can. So there was a segment 
where Miz and Morrison, you know, they're they're trying to, you know, uh, Morrison's trying to rally up Miz and says, hey, I'm going to talk to the Lumberjacks and make sure that they are on our side. Which apparently there is one locker room labeled Lumberjacks. Oh, I love that for them. That's that's beautiful. But but it's not it's not superstars that is in the nope. lumberjack locker room. It's a horde of zombies. Because I didn't catch this until this match showed up. This pay-per-view was inexplicably brought to you by Batista's new movie, Army of the Dead. And they incorporated this movie tie-in to a WWE pay-per-view by the match build as Miz versus Damian Priest in a lumberjack match and turning it into a pseudo Army of the Dead setting by replacing the roster of lumberjacks with zombies. Hey, hey, Soul? Huh? Uh, you're only saying things that are awesome and that I want to see. Uh, you are only basically describing <laughs> what I spent the last two weeks on playing Resident Evil Village. Uh, I would absolutely love to see a pasty white bread boy getting eaten alive by zombies. Uh, <laughs> that was my entire Resident Evil experience. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, I would love to see it again. So it turned out great. I'm sure that Miz is... Uh, just totally made it out of that okay. Now, He's now, really good in lumberjack matches. Now, hold on. He has a stellar lumberjack match record because he's hold on really good friends <laughs> with all of his lumberjacks. <laughs> now, hold on a second here. It's very possible that uh, your, your perspective, you might have a slight bias. Having recently been exposed to Resident Evil 8 and having binged through Halloween Havoc... Mm -hmm. whereas yeah, point. whereas i this is going to come as a shock to a lot of people have never enjoyed halloween and i don't watch <laughs> horror movies i am current i soul am currently living a normal life in the month of may <laughs> looking forward to summertime <laughs> yes it's like oh i didn't have on my bingo card that the zombie apocalypse was going to come out in the fifth month of the year but here we are. What are you talking about? You're watching Payback. That's, <laughs> the whole thing is about resurrecting dead matches that didn't get out of the water in WrestleMania. Back, it's called Backlash, not Backlash. Rise of the Dead. Backlash. Thank you. Yeah. If 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 it was if it was actually a zombie themed pay per view, it would have been something like No Way Out, or Judgment Day, <laughs> or Armageddon. Armageddon would have been a more appropriate name for a zombie themed pay per view. Or ECW One Night Stand. Okay, so you are suggesting there are settings that would be really good for a zombie. Oh, a Halloween Havoc! Match. Oh, Halloween Havoc with zombies would be very appropriate in October, not in May. Okay. 
Again, I, I, under, I, understand, I understand the full internet discourse, and I understand the full hypocrisy knowing that I have been a fan of an undead wizard for 30 years. I understand where that sounds silly to some people, that where is the line? The line is a movie tie-in. It's not like AMC's The Walking Dead ever advertised for a pay-per-view in 2006, and and uh, Megan and Remus and any of those guys just waltzed in to a WWE setting. Mm -hmm. But now that oh, I put yeah. that idea in your head, <sighs> there's there's definitely people that will say, "What's the difference?" And there are some people that will be like. It's wrestling, you're going to get over it in two weeks, you'll be fine. And you're right, I'm probably going to get over it in two weeks. It's just, my concern is, is that this is shortly after the full Peacock in, uh, acquisition. Mm -hmm. And I do not want this to be a pattern where they have this cross-breeding, cross-branding, excuse me, cross-branding, cross-reference thing where, like, Every movie tie-in is going to be incorporated with the pay-per-view to some extent. Like, I don't want it to be where Fast and Furious 11 sponsors SummerSlam. And you have The Rock and John Cena at the thrice-in-a-lifetime match. Right. That's, that's my concern, is that how far does that rabbit hole go? And you also throw in that this was obviously, you know, slapped together really quickly. There was no, there was literally no build for the zombies. They, the only, the, the, the closest thing to a build was a tweet from Batista that said, sorry, I couldn't make it, but I brought some of my friends. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. That's rough. Couldn't even get Batista for this one. Couldn't get I... Batista on set on any part of the build. There was no mention of this movie tie-in beforehand and, and worse unlike you know other zombie type media you're it, i can't believe it was very satisfying watching damien priest getting none of his licks in on the miz and instead having it all get you know tossed away for some zombie schlock well i mean he got a few licks in there and to be fair the zombies were impartial they actually oh. So, so... I love that, actually. So, so the zombies were impartial, so anytime either of them got out to the ring, the zombies got a few licks on them. Ooh. Ooh, literally. <laughs> I, I wish. Um, literally the only licks came at the end of the match, where they were civil enough during the match, but it was right when the match ended proper, and the Miz had fallen, that's when they decided to go into the ring... And eat the Miz. Yeah, that's fair. The match was over. The match was and over. <laughs> zombies respect the rules. They respect Me their roles as lumberjacks. <laughs> Meanwhile, I love that there's a uh, there's an independent uh, tweet out there somewhere where someone another independent promotion had a similar idea of zombie lumberjacks, and they were just going in a circle around the ring, and that was it. They didn't have the strength to get into the ring. Just conga line on the outside perimeter of the ring oh that's funny mm -hmm. they just don't have core strength when you're undead <laughs> for that long you don't got the abs to climb up into the ring it's hard out there for a zombie yeah 
It's the not a have needs too. It's uh, it's not. What was that Will Smith movie? I am legend. I am legend. They're 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 not they're not fast I am legend whores. Yeah, they were very. Fast. Oh yeah. They're very fast. So there's that, and I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it was just a good time that definitely wasn't compromised at all. I will say that for the most casual of casual fans, it was probably a good time. But for somebody that expected progress, because this is the same two competitors that in the WrestleMania prior had arguably one of the best matches of the show with Bad Bunny. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bad Bunny stole the show but with the Canadian Destroyer. And the following month, this happens. What are you going to do? Bring back Bad Bunny. You know, that would have been a great alternative to this. One of the best draws in any business ever. <laughs> the, 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 the benchmark is that much higher for any celebrity that wants to step up in the WWE ring because of Bad Bunny. Yep. Next up, Ricochet versus Sheamus for the United States Championship. Oh yeah, that'll put the pulse back into the room. Get Ricochet I, running around. That sounds great. I really wanted to like this match. But yeah. especially just as as much as as polarizing as that zombie lumberjack was, I could not be arsed to care. Um apparently you got Seamus. Yeah, Seamus Seamus was uh Seamus was the US champion uh going into it. And oh, apparently yep. and apparently uh Apparently, with the build for the build from the Raw after, uh, apparently this rivalry continued over Ricochet stealing uh, Sheamus's fur coat and derby hat. Oh, don't steal that hat! That you don't know where that hat has been, <laughs> Ricochet. I will say that Ricochet looked arguably better in that than than Sheamus did. It's a cursed hat. It's so cursed. You you will lose if you wear that hat, so. As what happened on Monday Night Raw, also the fact that Seamus retained, as as if that wasn't the clue, that the rivalry continued because of a bowler hat and a coat, and Seamus is still your U.S. champion. And, again, for me, the, the, the air was just sucked out of the room. Oh. At that particular point. <coughs> so he keeps the strap and he keeps the hat that looks like it's made out of flesh? If that is one way to, to put it, is like if you're talking cow like, flesh, then yes. It looks like it's made out of people. Kind of. It's got kind a. Of. It just looks. Ugh, it's got a face. It, it probably has a face it, on it. I think if he turns it around. Anyway, it had to come back around by the end of this, though. We got like some heavyweight wrestling coming up, right? We do, and the and the and they are both fantastic matches. Uh, yeah. Yes, they are. So uh, the first uh, the first of two uh, big beefy matchups was uh, the WWE Championship, where Bobby Lashley was defending Blake. it against the, was defending it against uh, Drew McIntyre and Bronny the Strowman. 
Hey, all right, another triple threat, kind of just uh, mirroring yes. the women's match at the beginning. You can that, juxtapose those and make some real fun stuff happen. You know, um, and, and and it was it was for all intents and purposes, it was a really solid shown by all of them. Um, there were some moments where Braun Strowman uh, flew like a cruiserweight. And that was very yeah. scary. Like, my favorite was, there was a, um, it was basically like a cannonball senton through the middle rope. What? Mm-hmm. See, here's the thing also, is yep. like, again, it's, people severely underestimate Braun Strowman. He's six foot eight, that can move around like a Rey Mysterio. If you look at any of the, um, the Celtic Warrior workouts, um, on YouTube, which is Seamus working out with his buddies... You see Braun Strowman in the performance center doing drills. He's doing he's doing like standing flips in boots, in lugs. <laughs> he's six foot eight and can move like a Rey Mysterio. He's oh, that's freakishly he's freakishly athletic. But they don't show that because he's coming off of the heels of being called stupid by Shane McMahon for six weeks. Because WWE kind of WWE. Yeah, they sure are. And Indeed. I'm I'm assuming that uh, Bobby retained his belt that he just won at WrestleMania. Because that would so, make sense. So, it, it, I mean, yes, it does make sense. Um, I mean, that... Oh, no. No, yeah. you're right. It, it, no, he did He oh, did defend it. Okay. He did defend it. But, 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 but again, it's... You're glossing over the fact that strong athletics showing... By everybody. Like, this is definitely... Out of all the matches on the card, this is the one match that I would say go back and watch again because it was a phenomenal showing by all three of them. It wasn't by any underhanded tactics. Any of them rightfully could have taken the belt at, at that point. Um, Drew was putting on a clinic on both Braun and Bobby some amazing feats of strength there's um so bobby lashley has also been doing the master lock challenge effectively Good. So beca because because uh and, and it's, it's appropriate because chris masters actually said that you know bobby lashley was the one to break the original master lock challenge so it makes sense that the full nelson is now in his repertoire he tried putting the full nelson on braun Strowman. Tried being the operative word, couldn't get it cinched in. But imagine really? Mm-hmm. Well, six foot eight and those brawny the Strowman shoulders. Of course, that's all. This is all build up for a future match. Mm-hmm. I would say hundred percent. I remember Chris Masters doing that too. Uh, he did it with, I think it was like Viscera or something. Some just big, big person. Well, there was it there, was, uh, it was a big, big show undercard person at uh, the big show. Oh, yeah, he he tried to put it on the big show, and that was uh, one of just the highest moments of the master lock challenge. Yeah. Not a well received angle, but no, it but stuck it, in my mind for. But yeah, the, Bobby Lashley was the only big guy to let him fully sink it in, whereas Big Show just kind of shrugged it off. Yep, um, I think Kane might have also uh, either he succumbed to it or he never got it cinched in either. But he was another big contender as well, I believe. Um, the thing yep, that was also interesting got, on... has got the bug, the, the full Nelson bug. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that's also really interesting is commentary made note that Braun Strowman has never won the WWE Championship. So Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre have. 
So that gives me pause to think, build up to SummerSlam when he gets the belt? Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. I mean, part of why you're putting triple threat matches onto Backlash is to add an extra angle after WrestleMania. Correct. And also you can use that to pivot into your next programming for the, Mm -hmm. you know, next couple of shows. Sure. So if that's the direction they're going, that'd be a lot of fun. That would be. That would be a lot of fun, for sure. Big Hoss fights. Dude, the Hoss fights tonight were were so good tonight because you have this one, which was amazing, and then we go into our main event for the evening. It is uh, Roman Reigns versus Cesaro for the Blue Universal Championship. That is my favorite pun that uh, I think it was... uh, it was somebody from WrestleTalk coined that when they unveiled the Universal title given the blue strap to match SmackDown. They called it the Blue Universal Championship. And I will yeah, never not say Blue Universal Champion. That's respectful and kind because it is the best and most beautiful belt on the show. It's blue. <laughs> yes. And I'm, I'm a blue person. I live a blue life in my little blue house and my little blue car. Eiffel 65 is, is playing on loop in your house. Yes. Hey, that's that's what I wake up to in the morning. It's great. <laughs> totally normal life. So and good. Uh, that's why, of course, best belt. Blue Universal. Yeah. thousand percent. So, uh, Cesaro gave a really good showing. Now, the build-up going into this is... Goodness gracious, I always forget which of the Usos it was. Because there's Jimmy and there's Jay. And I am one of those people that, even now that they have separate, they, they, they do have very separate looks. Um, okay, so Jimmy is the one that is going against the grain. And it is Jay that has aligned himself with Roman, I think. Let me check. Yes, Jay is the one that is aligned with Roman. And Jimmy is the one... That sounds right. So Jay came back after WrestleMania, after Jimmy Uso has had multiple falling outs and and problems with Roman Reigns. And, uh... Jimmy is the one that is saying that uh, Jay is just Roman's bitch. And in fact, there is a a t-shirt that he wears uh, saying as much. A lot of wrestlers have been saying bitch lately. And uh, my my go-to has always been anytime someone says, oh, that's minus one star. (laughs) I I can only imagine how much uh, Danhausen's ears have been smoking. By as, many, by as many times as that word has been used. It's that it's a swear. It's that it's uh, very specifically sexist against women. It's that everyone is using it and it's so cheap and basic. All, all of those things together are just like, all right, minus one star. It's, it's, it is the most <laughs> PG curse word to get that ooh reaction. Ooh, yeah. ooh he said the dirty word. You can say that on TV without it getting censored. Ooh. Ooh. 
It's like, like y'all grow like, up. And also get some better lexicon. Like just more language, please. You you do remember that this is catering to a WWE audience, right? No, because AEW does the same thing. It's been driving me nuts. But AEW like also AEW is also capable of using the big words though. Because <sighs> they have they have minds like Jake the Snake and Arn Anderson that can articulate those big words. <laughs> yeah, some of those old guys I wish they wouldn't. <laughs> Please don't articulate right now. <laughs> but no, I I see what you're meaning. Yes. That's so funny. They made a whole t-shirt out of it. Of well, course. there's 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 that and then um also uh I love I listen side note, I listened to uh Chris Jericho on uh the Broken Skulls session on the on the network and uh one of the big reasons that his 2007-2008 heel gimmick was so over is that he slowed down his words and he used big words and people don't like that. Oh, no, you think you're don't. smarter than me because you're using those big fancy words? Well, I don't like you. I'm going to show you. And uh, I love I love this iteration of Paul Heyman where not only is he the same condescending above it all Paul Heyman that we know, but he slows down his words and enunciates to make sure that you understand him. Oh, you're right. Yeah, soul. I hate you. I hate <laughs> my blood rising. You got it. You got it perfectly. Paul Heyman is great. Um, going into the match, though, Cesaro put up a really, really good showing, and I loved that they're showing they're showing Cesaro as the technician that he is. However, on commentary, they mentioned that Roman Reigns is showing his technical prowess. The Princess Bride went off in my head when I heard that. <laughs> you keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. I like the idea, though, that if I get in the ring with Cesaro and he puts a bunch of moves on me, I'd be showing my technical prowess, too. Mm -hmm. Look at how technical I'm getting beaten in. It's Look at how perfect. technical you are with your Superman punch. Well, he's just really good at taking all these technical moves and getting mm -hmm. his ass kicked. It's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want people to say that about me when I get my ass kicked. Given that this was Cesaro's first... WWE big title contention in, This might be one of his first main events in a decade? I would say one of his first uh, one of his first uh, main events, but this is in actuality his first title shot for a main title. Because they wow. did mention that they did mention that on commentary that this is his first one in ten years. Cesaro has the patience of a saint. Well, he, he basically recommitted himself and he re-signed with the company and is bleeding WWE in all of his uh, merchandising and marketing, and that's why they gave him his shot against the head of the table, Roman Reigns. Needless to say, uh, even though there was a lot of really good uh, displays of fortitude, like, it looked like halfway through uh, Cesaro's shoulder gave out. 
And he was trying to push through that, but the pain was not enough, or the, the pain was too much for him. And um, Cesaro submitted to Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns retained the title through submission. Working that arm? Working that arm. And it was, uh, it was, it was like, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of armbar stuff. And the, the thing that kind of sealed it towards the, towards the finish was Cesaro bouncing off of the middle ropes and then jumping air Superman punch on the way down. They, yeah, they collided in midair, didn't they? They did. They did. Yeah. Oh, that's some samurai stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I saw this gif, uh, and it was it was cool. It was really just two very big men colliding in midair with their yes. like most powerful strikes. Mm-hmm. It's it's very it's it's very shogun esque. It's it's what mm -hmm. it's what you go to superhero movies to see. It's it is the Captain America meeting Thanos moment. Yep, Thor using his hammer to hit the Captain America shield, just bong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are the, the Superman those... versus Big Dog Superman. Uh, it's uh, the Swiss Superman versus the Big Dog and his Superman punch. Yep. Yeah, that's oh, one. it's Big Dog! That's why they keep calling each other bitches. Oh, because he's the Big Dog. Oh, I just put... This, this show's funny. This show's real funny. Insert that peanut gift right over my head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if we were to have Drax on the show, he would jump up and catch it. Right in his mouth. Things do not jump over my head. I jump up and I will catch it. <laughs> I am invisible if I stand really still. Guardians of the Galaxy reference. Awkward, awkward pause. Long awkward pause. Anyway, that was the end of the you show. You were living it. I'm just letting you, I'm letting you live <laughs> it because I think it's really funny. It, uh, I was only hamming it on just because of like that awkward head tilt that I was mm -hmm. seeing on the camera. That it was just, that it was, that is the... I'm just looking at you. I'm like, you've got Batista on the brain again, don't you? <laughs> just a little bit. That's, it's, it's... Better Batista than his friends. His friends are undead. I gotta <laughs> recontextualize my relationship with Batista now. He's in legion with zombies. You know, because we thought he just aligned himself with Marvel superheroes, but you know, this this opens mm -hmm. a whole another world of possibilities here. And vampires. I don't and... know if you knew, but he's got a, a a cameo role in What We Do in the Shadows, and it's a it's a pretty incredible role. Oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. And and uh. And Blade Runner 2049, he's a dealer. Right. Yep. Mm -hmm. he, he's, he, is a, he is a very uh, well-traveled man. All Around sci-fi genres. Yes. He's just filling off the, the last bit of his bingo cards. Like, I gotta do a zombie flick. What was that What was that martial arts movie where he had, like, those huge golden fist gauntlet things? I couldn't you know have what? made I don't know. I couldn't have made that up. It was like a martial arts film, wasn't it? Google, show me Batista with golden gauntlets. Please, I need to see the, the big Batista man. 
David, show me your hands. Show me your hands. Yep, uh, Batista and Liu Wan in uh, Master Z Ip Man Legacy. Oh, this was an Ip Man movie. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> because, of course. That's great. Of course. That's very good. Okay, cool. Um, or, or if I was to Google uh, Batista Golden Arm. I want to Google also. Here we go. I've got Dave Bautista. That's Bautista. His, you know, the man with the iron fist. Man. 2012. Covered in gold. <laughs> I like gold. Oh, I've got no. this beautiful smiling picture of uh, Golden Batista. This is the man with the iron fist. Yeah, he's just covered in gold. He's his just covered in gold. I was going to make a funny joke, a little haha, but no, he is literally covered entirely in gold. Correct. Correct. As as he should have always been in the WWE. I don't know. Sounds... They slept on that. Yeah, it's it's like Sure, his his angle where he returned and beat the crap out of Ric Flair was pretty good because it gave us the most memorable quote of give me what I want, that's not what I want. Give me what I want, give me what I actually want. What and he really, cool, really wants. What he really, really wants. Yes, he could have been the sixth Spice Girl if he wanted to. Oh, someday. Someday. But how cool would it have been if he was in a gold suit doing all that? Hmm. We just need more tie-ins, is what you're saying. <laughs> we need more. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. We are not Film going capital. We are not going capital punishment. Robocop again. <laughs> not again. I so stand firm. All in all, all in all, how would you rate the pay-per-view? So, uh, at the Renegade Roundup, I have an arbitrary system which involves a bag of peanuts. How many peanuts are in a bag? Who can really tell you? Um, so I usually quantify with how many peanuts I would give and or toss and or sometimes give to the crowd all of the peanut gallery. I see. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So if I was to give it a, if I was to give it an arbitrary rating, I would say I would say a good half a bag. And at least one handful of it would have Two handfuls of it would have been tossed at the zombies to get them the hell out of my way. So maybe, maybe they, maybe they didn't get enough food or they didn't get enough protein in their diet. So I'm going to be like, go that way. There's, there is something for you to munch on, just not my TV. Um, yeah, it was, it was, the parts that were enjoyable were really good. They were like, they were like, um precious finely roasted cashews oh but, wow but, but uh but the moments where i wanted to crush my peanuts was zombie which unfortunately lingered on into seamus and ricochet which is sad because i love ricochet ricochet is great he has arguably one of the best entrances in all of wwe um He's got the laser light show thing, and yep. uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's and he's and it's very superhero like his music. It, it, it makes me want to, like you know, when you were a kid and you and there was that high energy music and you're just running around to it. That's that's Ricochet's song to me. Is it brings oh that yeah, so, everything about Ricochet is is it's like, so empowering. He's, 
he is absolutely the wrestler he wishes he saw when he was a kid. Yes, 100%. It's, so it's That's the best way I have heard that put. He is the best wrestler that he is the wrestler that he wishes that he saw when he was a kid. And that that's that's always beautiful. It is. Seamus is too, but in a different way. <laughs> He's he yeah, Seamus is very much that um Seamus is the wrestler his dad saw when his dad was a kid. <laughs> who's who's the uh who's that uh who's that controversial boxer guy? He's the um the guy with, I know that's, I know that narrows it down by a lot, as in not at all. Uh, he is, he is, uh, he, he is if he envisioned himself as Conor McGregor. I would say so, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think he's coming Especially into that, right now. That, that tail end of the career where he needs to preserve himself because he's been at it so long and he has to retool his game. He wants yes. to be Conor McGregor. But he does also know how to stay near the top of the card. He's, you know, he's not a he, big. He knows man how to keep himself relevant relegated. enough. Yeah, for sure. For he's sure. not going to get relegated to being like a, you know, a filler. An yeah, no, guy he's or he's like not that. he's not going to be in an actual lumberjack match. Mm -hmm. He's not he's not going to all of a sudden debut in plaid. So I would give WrestleMania Revengeance a, a on a on a peanut scale. I would again, consider it's, it's it, as, arbi as arbitrary as you want to make these peanuts. I would consider it one 99-cent bag of hot peanuts. Ooh. Which is, you know, something that I go for. It's not necessarily because it's, like, the best, but it is cheap, and it is filling. There you go. All of this, all of this sounds, even if it's not, like, you know, the best thing in the world, it sounds very satisfying. And, sure. And uh, I'm actually much more interested now in looking into more of uh, WWE's pay-per-view stuff. Yeah, I mean the fact that it's like you you have such a such a large catalog and you have so much to build off of, um, mm -hmm. and 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 again it's the people knocked people knocked Peacock because of um, a lot of their like questionable censorship at best decisions that they're making, especially with um, in the U.S. The U.S. is the only place that the WWE network is specifically blocked. But that, but the same, the same like censorship with the Peacock Network is also applicable to the WWE Network outside of the U.S. So it's just a different, a different label. That's all it is. Um, so I've been, I've actually chronicled on my Twitter page uh, like changes that I have seen over time. Things like what is getting the. These don't necessarily reflect our views. What is getting the mature rating? What is and is not being kept? Um, and it's interesting that a lot of it is still staying. Like, they still mention certain people by name. They still show certain segments that we wish we'd forget. So, uh... And it, people are just redigging up all of these, you know, old bones. My, my favorite yeah. tweet came out of somebody who rediscovered that fan access used to have a replica of Stacy Keebler's butt and legs for fans to touch. Yeah, they really did do that. They, they, they did do that. They, they did do that. The 2000s it was, it, happened. 2000s happened. It was a different time. Going back in that particular era, I wish that they removed everything Don Marie and Tori Wilson related. Yeah. That's uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. 
Speaking of things that are not uncomfortable, where can people find you? Me? Not uncomfortable. Not in any way whatsoever. No, you are not an uncomfortable person. You are quite a pleasant person. And I would, if I was to hazard a guess, I would say that you have the open opportunity to be a returning and or a regular guest on this show. Aw, bless your heart. Thank you, Soul. Mm-hmm. We can keep so, Soul and Soul and right, going right. along so, for the yes, long run. Yes, I, I think, uh, I think uh, if, if enough uh, rapport happens, this might be the... Uh, uh, the tag team staple that people go for. Yeah, if people enjoy it. Uh, people, that, if people enjoy it awesome. enough. Yeah, for sure. So where can people find you on the internets? Yeah, uh, you can find me anywhere with my name on it. Solon Face, that's the place that you go to see Solon. Uh, S-O-L-O-N-F-A-C-E. That's on Twitter, on Twitch, on uh, YouTube, everywhere you want to see me. And most importantly, if you, if you do, uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff going on on Twitch where I'm live streaming very consistently. Uh, we've got uh, role-playing nights, we've got retro nights, just something to hang out with uh, all the time. And I just have a really good time, get to perform, do my work, do my craft that I've been training at for, gosh, it's been what, almost a decade of doing this. I am a, a long-standing veteran of the art of performative gaming. And that's the energy that I like taking into uh, anything that I do. I like Very to cool. just kind of break things down, analyze it as it comes across, uh, and then make jokes and poke fun at it, and just have a, a generally a good time, high energy, high vibes, and uh, you know, it's just it's been a good run, and it's going to continue that way to the foreseeable future, Wonderful. until I stop having fun. Right, because that's the whole thing: is if you're not having fun, what is the point in doing it? Oh yeah, if I'm in a in a game that's like a multiplayer game that's super high in engagement where I, like, can't, you know, hang out with chat as much, I'll still just take time to hang out with chat, get myself shot up in Apex Legends or something. On sure. the flip side, if we're doing Picross night, and I'm just, you know, making some puzzles happen, doing my crosswords, uh, I'll go the other way, too. We'll just hang out. We'll, we'll talk about everything on those there nights. There you go. There you go. All right, one last thing before, uh, before we ride off into the sunset. Uh, one of the things that I would like to have as a regular thing for first-time guests of the show. You're familiar with Behind the Actor Studio, yes? Yeah. So you're familiar with, at the end of every interview segment, there is a series of regular questions that uh, the host gives to his guests, correct? Oh, you think you can drill into me, huh? I'm I'm thinking I can pull a James Lipton, God rest his soul, uh, and uh, probe at some very uh, very thought provoking questions before we uh, before we close this off for the evening. Okay, soul, S give me your best shot. How many right. questions we got? And uh, and and what is. Uh, I'll get to ask you one question at the end too, right? Okay, that's that as seems fair. Revenge that's... is that is that the energy that we go into? Is, is, I'm going to need to revenge uh, myself. We're, we're, or something? Uh, if you're if you're going to consider this a redemption arc, um, I mean that is one way to look at it. Or you know, turnabout is fair play. That's another way. Yeah, you know, I, I, I I like to think that uh, you know these friendly conversations uh, are definitely uh, lighthearted in the absolute best way. Yep. yep. Uh, oh yeah. No, you're you're soul bad guy right now, and I'm soul and good guy, and 
<laughs> Good guy cop, bad guy cop. I see where we're going yep. with this. Okay, so um, as as uh, people may or may not be aware, uh, behind the actor uh, behind the actor studio or inside the actor studio, uh, by James Lipton was a phenomenal show that uh, probed into the mind of uh, of successful people in uh, acting and the performing arts. And at the end of every show, he had a selection of ten short questions uh to close out every program um i'm only going to use nine of them just because of the the nature of one of the questions in particular and then i will replace it with my own tenth so we're just going to go down uh the list real quickly here uh mr salon what is your favorite word uh idolin because it rhymes with solon that is a wonderful word. Can you uh, can you define that for uh, for the people that do not have a uh, thesaurus or dictionary nearby? No, it's a it's a weird word, but it's a funny word. Uh, the only other word that rhymes with solon is colon, and uh, it's always interesting to introduce yourself as something that rhymes with a large intestine. So, idolin, uh, you might have seen this as idolon as well. It's okay. a um, oh, how do you define this? Uh, it's something of a spirit. It's a it's a force okay. of uh, spirituality. I don't know the best one, but it comes from Final Fantasy. It sure does. Of course it uh, does. Of course it does. Yep, that you would... summon idolins in uh, in Final Fantasy to <laughs> help you out. So that is very that's where I pick it up. From. I really respect that. What is your least favorite word not curse word just your least favorite word my least favorite word is oh i don't really just first impression something that does not a word that does not make you feel great spade the word spade's got a lot of things going on with it and i don't really sure just doesn't sure. feel right sure okay because you know a spade's a spade but i don't really want to hear about that i wish, yeah, I, wish I didn't I, hear about and, it and i was and i was uh recently informed of the uh the uh the uh less politically correct nature of that word as well so it's very interesting what we keep in our uh the the, the zeitgeist of terminology that we use that we probably shouldn't so I... I don't even know what you mean by that that's funny of course it's uh because there's david spades and then there's gardening spades and then there's the house of cards of spades i was i was it more, comes I up was... way more than you think it does and mm -hmm. once you notice it you can't unnotice it yes. so if there's and there's probably even more ways to yes put those letters together there are there are um it's too much i'm telling you Salon, what turns you on? Hmm. God, there's so many things. What is a first impression, something that makes you happy that turns you on? Something that turns me on. Uh, big, bigger, biggest. Ooh, you know, okay. we okay. had a moment. We had a moment. I, I was, uh, we talked about this at the beginning of the cast about not being sold by the zeitgeist of uh, when people get horny performatively about something. Sure, okay. Well, I talk about it in my review, but uh, Lady Dimitrescu was a hot 
button topic. It was of the it was very it was a very uh very uh relevant topic leading up to the a lot release. of performative horny going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, after having played it, I'm here to re- reply and respond. Hey, there's really good sexual energy and sexual tension between the protagonist of the game and the character Lady Dimitrescu, very tall lady. Yes. Uh, she's cool. She's she's really okay. cool, and uh, it's a uh, it's good vibes. All right. Uh, going on the other side of that, what turns you off? Hmm. Well. She makes some changes, some serious changes, uh, by the end of the game. Sure. And uh, turns into a, a very big boss fight. Not that, that's for sure. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, turns me off, though. Uh, anytime someone is uh, uh, not being genuine to themselves. Good answer. That one's a really big turnoff. Good answer. Okay. What sound or noise do you love? There is... Oh, I know exactly what sound I love. It's the sub sound. Anytime someone subs on uh, Twitch.tv, I've had the same sub song for about two or three years, and I have kind of an ADHD mind where... uh, sounds usually like I, I will like really like something and then I'll turn off of it completely very quickly because okay. I'll be like I can't hear that anymore but the the tones and sounds that come from the chord progression in Lonely Rolling Star which is from the soundtrack Katamari yep. Damacy mm-hmm. beautiful gorgeous every iteration that I've ever heard of it is just incredible and it gets me going it's extremely good so that's, that's super cool I've never had a time when someone subbed and I was just like, ah, oh, dang, this song again. <laughs> I've always been much to the chagrin of anyone who is uh, co- co-hosting with me and gets blasted by the loudest sound in the universe. But that, oh, I love that stuff. That's so cool. Uh, on, the other, on the other end of that, what sound or noise do you hate? Oh, I'll tell you right now. Oh, I know. There's nothing I hate more. It's about 11 o'clock every day, maybe once a week, maybe four times a week at 11 to 12 a.m. My phone will do the McDonald's jingle because the McDonald's app (laughs) turns itself on. Oh, no. And when we're talking about, like, not being genuine, I don't like when my phone is using its own ringtone to sell me something. (laughs) I'm like, phone, that's not what you're for. And then I look. And I look at the notification, I'm like, ah, damn, that's actually a pretty good deal. Damn it. I hate that sound. I haven't figured out how to turn it off yet. It's driving me nuts. What profession, other than your own, would you like to attempt? So, the spaces that I've worked the most in uh, is in games, in... Uh, education uh, in in like you know public schools mm-hmm. and uh, in live streaming and I've you know worked around wrestling in a while, a long a long long time sure out of all of those um, if there was a space where I could do mentorship for performative design that would be the best that that would be just the ideal situation where I can help guide people on how to 
be their best self uh, while also creating work around being their best self. That's whether really that's in cool. streaming, whether that's in wrestling, whether that's in, you know, game design, uh, any of those fields, whether it's in education itself. Uh, teachers also have a lot to, um, they do a lot of performing in classes. And so some of the best teachers I know are wrestling fans. That's what I'll tell you. I'll just that's tell you that straight cool. up. That's very cool. Uh, on the other end of that, what profession would you not like to do? Hmm. I've really thoroughly thought about doing, like, sewage maintenance. I think that would actually be exciting and fun and weird and cool and also get you really well paid. So I'd be fine with that. I'm trying to think of, like, you know, normal, like, bad jobs that people sure. are like, oh, that's a that's a dirty job. It's like, no, that's not, that sounds kind of fun. Business. I think if I if I was just doing, like, sales representative work. Sure. Um which all all love and respect. I uh, that's what my dad did when I was growing up. Got you know put a roof over my head with that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the only one where I would just be like, I can't, I can't do this. Sure, that's very fair. Um, you mentioned that uh, you have been involved with the video game industry. To what what your your layman's job is. So my layman's job, my layman's job? Yeah, I think that's the right word. That's fine. I, I, I um, think it is. I'm sure if not, the, our, yeah. uh, our commenters will correct us on that. I've worked, with, uh, I've worked with middle school students for the last five or six years as part of my day job. Uh, and then also at night, I get to help them with a club that makes video games. Okay. And so part of me getting to work with other industry people is I get to show them my cool students that are making cool stuff that's and be cool. like... Have you seen what these students do? And they all go, wait, a student made that? I'm like, I know, right? <laughs> so, uh, so, you've been, so you've been working in, so you've been indirectly working with video game design for a yes. number of years, correct? Yep. Indirectly is probably the best, most precise way to put it. I've uh, done classes at the University of Washington to help other college age students, uh, learn game design of sure. uh, done uh, expos. I've, you know, worked uh, packs and stuff for helping do uh, panels. And like, if, if there's a weird side job, I've probably done it. Sure. What would be your dream game that you would design? Oh my God. A dream game. Uh, easy had, rhythm you, game. Rhythm game? Okay. Rhythm game. And we're not even, like, talking, like, it has to be some kind of extravagant thing. Uh, rhythm games right now are in a very strange place where every rhythm game is a service. Yes. And it's in such a dire situation that Friday Night Funkin' is the hottest rhythm game right now, which mm -hmm. is weird because it's... It's okay. <laughs> when my choices are between... Osu and Friday Night Funkin', I don't think that that industry, that, that little segment of things, is necessarily the best place it could be. In the States, and, at least. Uh, if you go into the arcades in Japan, there's a bit more. Or um, the Realm Oh, one. those are... It's okay. It's still got a lot of the same situation, though. Okay. Where okay. they're, you know, building out services for 
platforms for their rhythm games without sure. investigating, hey, what makes a great rhythm game? And uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of room for some stuff there. A regular ass rhythm game for normal people. Okay. That would be my dream video game. That is that is an absolutely <laughs> fair statement. There's no Guitar Heroes out right now. There's there's just <sighs> they tried. They tried. Uh, Guitar Hero and Rock Band tried a few years back. Nobody bought they it. They made a service. They made a Guitar Hero Live service. I just want 40 songs on a disc, vaguely licensed. <laughs> Give it the Guitar Hero 2 vague treatment. Mm-hmm. Where it's like a bland cover. Final question. four or less difficulties. <laughs> final, final question, Salon. Yeah. I don't know if you're a religious person, but if heaven exists... What would you like to hear your god say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Eh, the big guy! <laughs> I'm just imagining that that dude, the kid from Brooklyn, <laughs> looking at me, and I'm like, yeah, what's up? That's so cool. Salon, thank you very much for taking the time out of your schedule to join me on the Renegade Roundup. It has been a pleasure and an honor to chat with you on this wonderful hobby that we call pro wrestling. And uh, I hope we are able to do this again in the future and uh, gush about more stuff maybe outside of pro wrestling. Oh, I've had an absolute blast. Yeah, Fantastic. no, we, we have so much room to talk about things. Most importantly, you owe me one question. I do. So for oh, the end question. Of, the yes. end of your show. <laughs> Riddle me this, soul. Mm -hmm. A brand new television show has uh, has come up, and you are now forced to book a match, sponsoring that television show, and you have to replace all of the lumberjack match participants in an undercard match that people may remember if you do a bad enough job. What TV show is sponsoring your lumberjack batch? And what are you changing them lumberjacks to? It's always sunny. In, it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and everybody what? is Jason Alexander. <laughs> if they were to do a reboot of "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia," have everybody be Jason Alexander. That is the only acceptable tie-in, because it is NBC Universal that owns Peacock. I'm imagining you go into the back and there's just a sign on the door that says Jason Alexander's. And you go into the Jason Alexander's room and they're all just discussing what a heel is. And they come out to the ring and they have no idea who they're supposed to be beating up. Everybody but is if just... I do bad things, does that mean I'm still a, I'm, I'm still a baby face? They're, they're having a they're having a uh, an intellectual crisis, and every single version of Jason Alexander is from a different episode, going through a different systemic crisis. Of course, and it all just coalesces into this in this ring, completely distracting from any energy or momentum that is happening inside the ring. What am I supposed to do? What is the point? Why are we all out here? Oh, he's going over the. And I'm supposed to help him. Are you okay? Do you need a bagel? Perfect. Thank you, Soul. <laughs> You're welcome, Salon. And uh, I think that is where 
we are going to uh, call it for this particular segment. Always a pleasure to uh, chat with you. We will do this again sometime. I think you will be a returning guest with us. Thank you so much for your time today. <laughs> and I am sure, undoubtedly, that the most astute upon you will be quick to correct me and realize that it is a a locker room of Danny DeVito's, not Jason Alexander's. Maybe in the reboot it could be Jason Alexander as your pseudo Danny DeVito. Who knows? We'll never know. But uh, yes, it was. I had such a blast just talking about wrestling and just geeking out, and I miss it so much. And uh, as we are recording this on uh, Saturday the 22nd, the news has come out that WWE will be starting their tours up again in July. Is that too soon to tell? That might be a topic in the next couple of weeks. Who knows? Um, but yes, as I mentioned earlier, um, there's there's a lot of changes that are going on on my end. Uh, I do start a new job on Tuesday, which will be full-time. It's actually a consistent schedule for a change, which I'm not used to. But, um, you know, and especially the last few days of getting this together for you um, has has been taxing for probably all the wrong reasons, so I need to, you know, again, as I've mentioned, I am an advocate of mental health, and one of the things that my friend Kiri Callahan taught me was about properly managing your mana pool and your resources, and so to avoid burnout, I'm going to not push to get regular content out uh, when my body is not looking for that. So I hope you understand that this is a passion project. This is a project that I do out of love and support for the communities that I endorse and I care for. It is um, also additionally a personal reflection upon myself and it would be irresponsible to do anything otherwise. So I do hope you understand that um, we may be dialing it back from the weekly episodes and go every two weeks. There may be an interim episode thrown in there um, after a major pay-per-view. We'll, we'll just see how this goes. Like I said, we're playing it by ear. This has all been an experiment. And um, yeah, uh, for, for the connoisseurs of podcasts and YouTube shows, I challenge you, if you think you can do it better, make your own. Because this has been an extremely eye-opening experience. How people like AVGN and um, and uh, Brian Zane and and, and uh, any of them do the content that they do multiple times out of the week. Um, I tip my hat to any creators that have been uh, doing this and have been making a success out of it. So. I hope to join you in that boat in the foreseeable future, but until then, we are going to take this one step at a time. And I 
hope you understand that. I appreciate all of you that take the time to listen. I understand that you have many, many choices when it comes to the content that you consume. And I am very thankful you decided to give this one a shot. And also, please, 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 let me know. Give me your feedback. Let me know what I can do to improve the show for you. Because I ultimately do this for you. And if you're not enjoying it, and if you're not, uh, if it's not something you want to come back to, let me know. Let me know why. Let me know the reasons uh, that this is not your cup of tea, and I will attempt to adjust things accordingly. If you do enjoy it and want a more enhanced experience, let me know. Let me know some positives as well. Like I said, this is uh, this is all for you. I appreciate you very much. So until next time, do what Toonami Tom told you, and stay gold. Catch you in the next one, my friends.